Do you find that you don't have enough time to read books? This is a common refrain I hear from person after person. So today I wanted to talk about how we could find time to read more books. Welcome to the Delve Into Money podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. This is the personal finance podcast where we attempt to demystify money by reviewing books and applying what we learn to our own financial journeys. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about finding time to read more books. This is something that whenever I talk about the books that I read, I constantly hear people saying that they do not understand how I have the time to read the books I do and claiming that they will never have the ability to read like me or like others that they hear about. And really, I think this is just a crock. When it comes down to it, you make time for what you think is important. End of story, end of episode. All right, let's wrap it up. Thanks for joining us today. No, actually, I'm not, not going to do that. But when I hear people saying that, I always get a little bit frustrated. And it's not because I think I'm better than them. It's not because of any other reason like that. The reason I get frustrated is I know that if reading was a priority, that people make time to do what are their priorities. And it's okay if reading is not your priority. And it's okay if you don't read a lot of books. I personally gain a lot of value from it, and I think you could too, but if it's not your song and jam, that is fine. But if you're truly interested in reading more books, I wanted to take some time today to provide some tips that might help you find more time to read in your schedule. So I have a handful of different strategies, and so we're going to walk through those one by one. And then if you have any more, I would love to hear those. Reach out to me at curtis at delveintomoney.com or anywhere on social. One of the things I hear constantly when it comes to wanting to read more books is I hear people come up with goofy and made-up rules. They have the rule, personally, spoken or unspoken, that it's not okay to not finish a book. They have a rule that they can only read one book at once. They have a rule that you can't skip pages, audiobooks don't count, whatever that rule is, people make up rules all the time that make it more difficult for them to read. I don't know who's carrying the rule book. I don't know where these rules came. I can tell you I have held to these rules myself as well, so there's no judgment in this. I used to not be okay with stopping a book in the middle if I wasn't enjoying it. I would make the point of powering through so I could say I finished. I also just didn't want the time to be wasted that I'd started on that book. But when it comes down to it, If you're forcing yourself to read, you're going to read less because if you're not enjoying a book, you're not going to look forward to picking that book up. If you're not looking forward to picking the book up, you're going to naturally find other things to do other than read. Another made up rule is that you can only read one book at once. And I used to do this as well as I I would 
force myself to just be reading one book at a time because I thought if I had multiple books, I could not keep everything straight. The reality is there are different genres and types of books that are appropriate for different places in time. So we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but the reality is when you are in bed, it might not be the best time to read a dense book trying to learn something new. In those cases, you could pick up a fiction book, something that's light, something that's going to get you headed towards bed. One of the rules we'll talk about later is just finding spots to read. So maybe that's at lunch, maybe that's listening to an audiobook in the car. There are going to be different things that apply for different reasons and different books that you want to read in different spots. And that is okay. Also, reading more than one book at a time means that when you have the space, you're not just picking from one book and deciding whether that looks interesting. If you're making the space for reading and you have three, four, five books to pick from, it's going to be more likely that one of them will trip your trigger and make you excited to sit down and read. The other thing is, is some books are going to be great for listening to. We cannot limit ourselves by saying that audiobooks truly aren't books. The reality is audiobooks are great for specific times and places, and I make this a regular habit that I partake in myself. I enjoy listening to audiobooks while I work out, while I drive, while I clean around the house, while I work in the yard. There's a million different ways and places that you can listen to audiobooks. Some books aren't conducive to audiobooks, like one with deep learning. But if there's a book that you know that is a light read that you would enjoy in an audiobook, this is a great place to partake in that book, make whatever you're doing enjoyable. Another sub rule, another made up rule, is that we can't skip pages. When we apply this rule, we're really missing the big picture. When we read, whether it's for pleasure, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, every time we read, we're trying to either learn something or get enjoyment. And ideally, it could be both at the same time. I understand some fiction is just going to be straight enjoyment, and that is great too. But if something is boring or something is not up our alley, it is okay to skip pages to get to where we can learn. When we're trying to learn off of books, Sometimes we're going to not connect with the concept. Sometimes we'll already know the concept. Sometimes we need to skip pages because we need to see the summary. We need to see the overall point for those pages to make sense. That's the first little section is quit making up rules that make it harder for you to read. The second set of rules is I want to talk about creating a plan. Your ability to read is only limited by your ability to make a plan. When I talk about this, there's a few different elements that I want to get into. I want to talk about setting goals. I want to talk about scheduling time. I want to talk about tracking your reading. And I want to talk about the things that are time vortexes that distract us from reading. So let's first start with setting a goal. Any area of your life that you do not have a goal, it's possible that it's going to lead to drift. So if you want and you know you want to read, 
The idea is you set a goal for a reading goal and you stick to that goal. You review the goal regularly and see where you are. This pairs great with using a reading tracker. I use an app called Goodreads, but there's definitely other ones out there. And using a reading tracker allows you to track where you are on that goal. So anytime I finish a book, I go mark it as complete in Goodreads and I can see my progress on my annual goal. Reading trackers also help because it lets you know what's next. So if you get to the end of a book and you don't know what to pick up next, you already have a ready-made list to know what's next. And I use this when I'm out and about, when I hear someone mention it, I'll log into Goodreads, I'll look for the book, I'll put it on my want to read list. So anytime that I'm looking for something new, I have a curated list of things in the past that I've said I think I might enjoy. Also, when we're looking at goals and we're looking at tracking, it helps to know what you've done or what you've read in the past. Seeing this progress can help for a number of reasons. Sometimes it can help because it can motivate you. I need to hold myself accountable to the goal that I set. Other times it's going to motivate you because you're going to see the progress that you may have forgotten prior. Setting a goal and tracking that goal are going to be key things that can help you find more time to read. So let's talk a little bit more practically. First, we want to schedule times to read. We want to make routines out of our reading. I routinely read before we go to bed. This is a great place for me. I know some people say that they would fall asleep, but if you're getting into bed early enough, you will not be too tired. You will find the time to read while sitting there, and it will prepare your mind for going to bed. If your bedtime is 10.30 and you're getting into bed at 10.20, you're not going to be able to read. But if your bedtime is 10.30 and you get into bed at 9.30, you're either going to go to bed early, which is great because we could probably all use a little bit more sleep, or you're going to fill that time with reading. So me and Samantha like to try and get into bed earlier so that we can make the time for reading. For some people, that might not be ideal. Some people, the morning may be ideal. I read my Bible in the morning, so I don't have time to do other reading. But if that is not something that you do, you can read in the morning. It'll get your mind into a good spot. Some people can read at lunch. If they're just eating at their desk at work, you can pick up that book, make it a little bit productive time, find a little bit of enjoyment before you get back to the day. Other people carry books with them. So you can carry books when you're going to a doctor's appointment or to other things. You can fill that time with things that are going to be valuable instead of just scrolling on the phone or whatever that may look like for you. The other part is you can create a place. So someone might have a chair. Someone might have a place in their house that you could set up to create an atmosphere for reading. This would be having a lamp. This would be creating the low light, you know, with a spotlight to where you can easily read that physical book. This could be a room that's just separated from all the other activity. Whatever this atmosphere would be for you, this could be a great place 
to facilitate better reading. Another thing that can facilitate is maybe instead of a place, you just have books around the house or books around your environment. So maybe you keep a book up at the office. Maybe you keep a book on the table by your chair in front of the TV. Maybe you keep a book on your nightstand. By keeping books around the house, they're readily in reach, which means that when you have a little bit of downtime, you're much more likely to just reach and start reading. Now, we can create all the plans in the world, but the reality is, is if we don't have good habits and we have what I'm calling time vortexes around us, it's going to be hard to find time to read. And time vortexes are anything that we do that we're not meaning to do because it's just easy to do. A great example of this is TV. TV is a time vortex that we can sit down while we eat. We can sit down after dinner. We can sit there for hours and not know that all that time is past. So I'd ask you the question, what bad habits, what time vortexes do you have in your life that you could potentially put a book by your TV, put a book wherever that time vortex is to maybe distract you to offer up that opportunity for you to read? So the first rule, get rid of your goofy made up rules. The second rule, you're only limited by your ability to plan. The third rule, do the activity with others. I don't currently do this, but Samantha is a part of a book club. She enjoys having those discussions. That's another great way because it's accountability. If you show up and you've not read, you feel some guilt. So that guilt is great. If you have friends that have similar interests, you could suggest that you just read one book together and that you meet regularly about it. It's a great way to connect with friends. Again, this is similar to a book club, but it's just one-on-one versus a group. And then the other thing is you can seek out recommendations from others. If you have recommendations from others, it's going to make you more excited to read. They may ask you whether you enjoyed it or not. It's a motivation, external motivation that can help you find more time to read. This is a little bit counter, and this is the fourth rule, but I think that when we read, we need to take good notes. Now, taking notes is going to distract or subtract from your ability to read more. But what is reading without comprehension? Now, this doesn't necessarily apply for fiction, but If you're reading nonfiction, which is what I focus on, if you don't comprehend and you're not able to reference what you learned, it is wasted time. I would encourage you to take more notes, read more, continue to take notes, have a system. I use Notion. I've used paper before. I use all sorts of different things. But as you take notes in reading, you become more engaged you become more excited to read. So while it may take away from the amount, the actual physical amount you're able to read, it's going to help with your comprehension and it's going to help you be more engaged because you're actively reading instead of passively reading. Let's talk about how to apply this to our finances so that we stay true to the podcast. Okay, a few financial applications today. Number one, Quit buying books. 
This is going to sound opposite of what I'm telling you to do with reading, but you can get books at your local library, and I would suggest the Libby or Overdrive apps for listening to audiobooks or for reading Kindle or ebooks. What I do is I rent every book first. I love the Kindle because I can highlight and I can export those highlights to my email. This is great for taking of the notes. If it's a book that I think that I'm going to reread, I will absolutely go buy that book. But I initially rent it because there are so many books out there that are going to be a one-time read that will just become clutter and money that is down the drain. And it's not that it's a waste of money because if you learn something, that's great. But there's no reason to have a book if you're not going to reread that book or you're not going to lend that book. So that is why I like to rent books first because it allows me to identify if it's one that I think falls into a reread or a lend category. Financial application number two when we are reading and taking notes, it gives you the resources to look back on and use in your budget or your financial planning. It will also help you when talking about investments. So if you're reading financial books or you're reading a, say, psychology mindset, the ability to go back and look at your prior resources is going to help you make better financial decisions. Things that I like to do is when I find a concept that when I want to talk to Samantha about in our weekly financial meeting, I'll put this into a note so that I can remember to talk about it that Sunday. The same thing for your annual financial planning. If you put the note into a document or into a system that you have, when it comes to your annual planning, you can reference what you've learned through you're reading. This is going to be great if you're reading investment books because there's a lot of different theories investment-wise. And so when you're doing your annual planning, if you have investment notes, you can look and remember and you can try and apply the best investment philosophies. Now, I know I'm not giving a lot of specific actions this time, but I think that this habit is really important to your personal growth. And so I think that this is still something that applies strongly to your financial life. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that you will read more because I think it's extremely valuable. If you have any recommendations for books to go over next, drop me a comment. You can email me, curtis at delvinthemoney.com. Curtis is with a K. Thank you so much for stopping by. We'll see you next week.